Hello, I'm Kevin Richard. It's been slightly more than two weeks since a brutal mass slaying claimed the lives of four University of Idaho students, Ethan Chapin, Kayla Gonzalez, Zana Cornodal, and Madison Mogan. On Tuesday, I had a chance to interview Tori Lawrence. He is the provost and academic vice president of the University of Idaho. I wanted to talk to him about the university's decision to continue classes on an optional basis in the aftermath of the slayings. I wanted to get a sense of what things look like on the campus this week as classes resumed after Thanksgiving break and what the future holds as this investigation unfolds. Again, here's my interview with Tori Lawrence, the provost at the University of Idaho. Well, thank you for your, your time. And let's begin with the decision to continue with face-to-face learning the week before Thanksgiving in, in the immediate aftermath of the slangs. That was based on, President Green described it as the expertise of the Moscow Police Department, but there has been no suspect identified then or now. And the police never really explained their their reasoning why they believe this was a targeted attack. So can you walk me through the university's decision to remain open on an optional basis? Sure, Kevin, I'm, I'm happy to talk about that. Uh, this, of course, was a difficult this, uh, situation, sure. and, and a lot happened very quickly. Um, but we had we continue to rely on the Moscow Police Department, Idaho State Patrol, FBI, all of the law enforcement agencies that are engaged in this, um, because at this point they have the most information. And and you're right, they they continue to say that this was a targeted attack. Um, they have not given specifics around that. Uh, with the rationale of trying to protect the integrity of the investigation. Um, something that's interesting here is the university is a community and often people say, in this situation, people have asked, are you going to close or be open? And the reality is we're not an entity that really closes. We have people that live on, on our campus. We have people that eat on our campus. We have, of course, thousands of people that work here. Um, we are not really an operation that can turn off the lights and lock the door and say, come back on Monday. Because, and we saw this during COVID actually, sure. um, we can alter our operations, but we will still have thousands of students on this campus. Mm-hmm. We have international students that can't go home. We have students that this is their home, frankly, at this mm-hmm. point. And so the idea of open or closed is actually hard to, to use in this situation. Um, because we are, we need to continue to support those people that are that are in the community. But we have continued to work with law enforcement. We work, we meet with them twice a day uh, for kind of a quick update, check in, and continue to assess our situation. And at this point, um, as you mentioned, you know we've we are still doing in-person instruction, but we know that some students um, were not comfortable doing that and have stayed home, and we've asked our faculty to adapt and still accommodate them for the remainder of the semester. We have two weeks left of classes, including this week, and then one week of exams, so we're really at the tail end of the semester, and we're, we're frankly just trying to help students get through this semester successfully and safely and in a way that they're comfortable. I mean, this really boils down to a process of trying to assure the public that the campus is safe. And that's about as fundamental a job as a university has, is to ensure that students are going to be safe, assure parents uh, and faculty that, that it's a safe campus. How do you how do you make that case when you have you know such a horrific crime and such a an open investigation? 
Yeah, well, we've 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 done a lot to increase our safety and security protocols. Um, we of course have a full time security force, but we've increased that. Um, the Idaho State Police has been wonderful. They have had a number of officers um, added to our area, to the town and to campus since this happened. Uh, their presence right now, frankly, is um, uh, <laughs> very noticeable, I'll put it that way, uh, and that we see the state police in our community and, and actively engaging and in, in interacting with citizens, and that's that's been great. Um, We've, at, we've always had a safe walk uh, program where students and or faculty and staff can, can make a phone call and, and, and basically ask for an escort across campus. For example, a student going from the library at night to their dorm room is a, is a common example. And, and we've beefed up the, the number of people and the resources for that so that there's plenty uh, as we see an increased demand for that. We also started a safe ride program where, where employees, uh, an example that I was given was uh, someone who is parked maybe not next to or really close to their office might want a ride at night because it's dark and so we've we've offered that so we're, kevin we're trying to adapt our operations to be as uh to to meet the needs of our employees and our students uh at the same time as i said earlier we can't really just lock the door and turn off the lights and and it's the same thing for the moscow community i mean we can't evacuate town we can't shut everything down and so we're trying to all adapt and 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 be as careful as we can and, and we're asking people also to be vigilant as as the law enforcement officers have said you know being aware of your surroundings traveling in groups letting people know where you're going so that that we can uh, just try to not put ourselves in a situation uh, where we could have increased danger how are things looking on the campus this week? I mean, you mentioned that there's much more of a visible law enforcement presence, but what does it look like in terms of how many students are back, how many students are, are learning remotely, finishing the semester remotely? I mean, paint a little bit of a picture of what's going on up there. I, I don't know exactly because we, we thought about serving students and asking them basically, are you going to return or not? Um, but we also realized this is a fluid situation. We, we know some students returned thinking they would test the waters and kind of see how they feel. And if they change their mind, we want to be supportive of that. We don't want them to feel like they're they're completely locked in. We have a vigil tomorrow um, at 5 p.m. Uh, it's been moved to the Kibbe Dome. Unfortunately, the weather forecast is not good. Mm -hmm. So we moved that to the dome just so that it, it can be uh, the important event it should be. And I expect we'll see more students for that as well. Um, but Kevin, I, I did speak to some faculty yesterday because I was curious also, and I, I heard of some classes that were two thirds full. I, I talked to somebody who said they were only missing one student out of a class of 40 yesterday. So th there are a lot of students back and, and I my general observation is I think there's more students back right now than there were the week prior to Thanksgiving, um, immediately after the event. Um, but it, it's hard to know exactly. And, and with two weeks left, we, we could see it change in both directions. It's just hard to know exactly. I mean, to some degree, this has been a pivot for faculty, maybe not as extreme a pivot as spring break of 2020 when, uh, when the COVID pandemic hit Idaho. But there's been a, a pivot for faculty. Uh, talk a little bit about that. It, it absolutely is, is, a, is a pivot, and it's a big ask to, to ask them to be flexible and, and teach in some ways that they were not planning on. Of course, no one saw this coming. And um, 
But but you bring up spring break of 2020. You know, we learned a lot in 2020. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really proud of how our faculty adapted in that situation to to the unknown and tried some new new ways of teaching and, and embracing new pedagogy that they may not have really even considered before. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we were quite successful in that period. I, I know some people said, in fact, I heard this last week, well, I'm pretty much going to do what I did in 2020 for my final exam. And and so they're definitely using what we learned from that experience. But it, it is tricky in that, you know, we offer thousands of courses. Um, you know, we're largely talking about our Moscow courses, our courses in uh, Boise, Idaho Falls, Coeur d'Alene, McCall. Those are largely unchanged. Um, but in Moscow, you know, we have thousands of courses. And it's very difficult to say exactly how we're going to change a course because they're all so different. Disciplines are different. The course activities are different. The teaching formats are different. So what you do in a chemistry lab and how you adapt that may will look very different than adapting an English 101 mm-hmm. class, for example. So, And on um, top of all of that, you've got students making very different decisions. It isn't all classes going online. I mean, you have some students who are choosing to come to campus, wanting to stay on campus, have no choice but to stay on campus. Yes, and so some examples, I know we have classes that are being taught in person as they were before, and they're adding Zoom so that a student can Zoom in remotely. And and we have classrooms where that works really well. Um, we have some that, it, you know, it's each situation is a little different, depends on the size of the class and the way the, the instructor teaches. Um, we have other, People that have, I know, done created some alternate assignments or alternate activities for students who are remote. Again, they're just trying to meet them where they are. And and at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is make sure that, you know, we have learning objectives for each course that we're teaching them and they're learning what we expect them to learn in that course. And we assess that in some manner near the end. And, and at the end of the day, that's what's important. Um, not necessarily that we did the course in the same way it was done last semester, but it, it's, it is a big ask, and I really applaud our faculty um, because what I've heard largely from our faculty is um, they are just, um, you know, they're grief-stricken as well. This, this happened in their community where they live, and so mm-hmm. they're dealing with their personal um, emotions and, and dealing with this situation, but also trying to support students. And I've just seen great empathy and understanding, and I, I applaud them for that. This is, this is hard for everybody. And I know you have two challenging weeks ahead. Then you have the holiday break. Spring semester isn't that far away. And not knowing what could happen in terms of the investigation in in the next several weeks, I know this is somewhat of a hypothetical question, but I have to imagine that there are already some discussions underway about what you might do or might need to do come spring. Absolutely. We are discussing that already. we start on January 11th, which is a Wednesday. It's six weeks from tomorrow, so I'm <laughs> completely aware of the timing. Um, and you know, of course, a lot can happen in six weeks. The the murders happened two weeks, just a little over two weeks ago. And six weeks from now, um, you know, I, I hope we have progress in the case, and and we'll we'll have to see. But we are discussing options right now. I expect we will. Um, uh, present some type of plan of what will happen after break um, within the next two weeks. I would really like to do that before the semester is over. So people leave going into the break knowing what's ahead. Also knowing it could change depending on the investigation itself. Right. Um, but but we're, we're looking at options. We, we 
you know, we want to remain very student focused. Um, we also have to be realistic about uh, the, the situation and how we manage that semester. You know, with, as you've said, a lot of unknowns and, and hypotheticals, but we're, we're thinking through a variety of scenarios. And I think we'll have news on that soon. But the options at this point would include looking at online or, or looking at presenting more on, online options for spring semester. That's a possibility, and and I don't we don't have any final decisions at this point. Uh, but I think that's going to be the next big discussion after we get through the vigil on Wednesday. Um, we'll be really zeroing in on on spring plans. Okay, and I know this is also really early because you're right in the middle of a crisis management right now, but. Can you envision policy changes that may come out of all of this, whether it's, uh, you know, you mentioned the on-campus security, even though this is an off-campus uh, crime. Mm-hmm. Security changes, changes in terms of how you address mental health issues, uh, changes in terms of, of the learning model. Are, do you see any changes coming out of all of this uh, on the other side? No, Kevin, in higher education, I think we're known and and should be known for always evaluating, always assessing and trying to improve. And this situation is, um, I don't think is immune to that. I think we will, I'm sure we will evaluate. I mean, we already are actually evaluating as we go along things that, um, well, should we have done this differently? Should we have addressed, you know, whether it's a communication or a decision or whatever it might be. So yeah, I think we're definitely gonna learn from this. You know, educational delivery, uh, we learned a lot in 2020, as we talked about before, and we might learn more again here. Um, And spring, you know, again, like we talked about, who knows exactly what's gonna happen in spring. But um, I've really seen many of our support services um, in our community and on the campus specifically really excel and show how great a team we have. And and I'll, I'll be honest, I'm so impressed with our counseling staff, with our Dean of Students Office that has had to support students, so many students that were impacted by this. Um, and that is hard, difficult work to walk into a fraternity or sorority who has lost a brother or sister and um, talk to them and grieve with them. And, and I am so proud of what our people have done in this horrible situation. The empathy and compassion is just uh, inspiring to me, actually. And so what are we learning? I think we're learning what we've what we had ready to go for an emergency like this. And I think it's gone well, considering the circumstances. Um, we will definitely continue to evaluate our, our security and safety protocol. We do that regularly. In fact, we've had external experts and entities come in and do evaluations, and I'm sure we'll do that again. Um, and, and continue to do that just to make sure we're up to date. I mean, technology changes, you know, the, the world of cameras now is so different than it was 10 years ago, and, and we'll continue to evaluate all these things. But, you know, through this, we've really focused on trying to communicate clearly and meeting needs of students and employees uh, to help them get through the semester. And I think that's shown, you know, the University of Idaho, uh, we've done well, and it's a tragic situation, but I think considering the situation, um, We've seen our systems and our people work in amazing ways. Um, and they be improved? Always. <laughs> and I mean, this has been an issue that universities around the country have come under scrutiny about you know, campus safety and, and campus security. You're living this in, in a very difficult time. What do you 
What do you take out of this that you, know, you would advise a colleague at another institution about? Well, I think having plans in place for any imaginable, imaginable situation is important. Um, and you can't plan for everything. I mean, that's, sure. that's impossible. But um, I think how you're going to communicate, how you're going to function, how you're going to make decisions, having that all having a team that, that is ready to do that is so critical. Um, and then, like I said, continuing, continuing to evaluate, evaluate safety and, and all of your protocols around campus security. Um, you can, you can always do more. There's a, a balance of how much can you do and, and at what level are, are the returns uh, worthwhile and and at a standard level that I think is acceptable. I think we will continue to see, as as you've alluded to, campus security being a major issue in higher ed moving forward. Um, and as we see, you know, different tragedies unfold across the country, whether they happen on campus or a grocery store or a parking lot, um, you know, there's there's. There's no way to prevent all of that, but but we definitely will continue to evaluate what we're doing. I this one thing I'll, I'll mention that this has shown um, we have a great relationship with the Moscow Police Department. We've had a great relationship with them for many years. They, we have officers actually assigned to campus um, every day, and that has helped us in this because the relationships were there, the communication channels were there, we know each other, and um, we, we have each other's cell phones in our phones already, and and that makes a difference um, in situations like this. And so that, I think we will definitely evaluate all of that, but I, that's one thing I'm also I'm proud of, and uh, how that we the, the city, law enforcement, the university have all worked together. Well, Provost Lawrence, thank you for taking the time talking about this. It's a uh, very trying time for you for you all, and I appreciate you talking us through some of it. Thank you, Kevin. It's been the outpouring of support across the state and the nation has been amazing, and, and we appreciate all that you do for higher ed. So thank you. Once again, that was my interview Tuesday with Tori Lawrence. He is the provost and executive vice president at the University of Idaho. And continue to follow us at idahoednews.org as we continue to cover this case. And follow us at idahoednews.org this week as we cover the return of the legislature. The legislative session doesn't begin until January, but this week is a really important week. It's the legislature's organizational session. That's when we're going to find out who the next House Speaker is. We're going to find out who winds up in leadership positions in the House. We'll see if there are any changes in leadership in the Senate. And we'll see some really important vacancies filled throughout the State House and on some key legislative committees. We'll find out who the next Senate Education Committee chair is. We'll see what kind of changes there are in Senate Education and on the House Education Committee, and what sort of changes unfold on the Joint Finance Appropriations Committee, where there are some huge vacancies. So we'll have ongoing coverage of the organizational session, which really kicks off on Thursday morning. Sadie Dittenberg and I will be at the State House covering it. Uh, this might get done on Thursday. It might uh, bleed over into Friday. We'll be there from start to finish, and we'll have full coverage of that. So follow us at idahoednews.org for the latest from the State House. Follow us on Twitter. We're still on Twitter at idahoednews. We tweet out links to our latest stories and bulletins on breaking items. Uh, follow us on Facebook and comment on our stories there. 
and check back next week for another edition of the podcast. I'm Kevin Richard. Have a good week. Have a good week.